The issues that matter most, right here. The Drew Mariani Show. On Relevant Radio. Well, how the devil does that is he mimics your deceased relative. Devils are observing all of us, and they've been observing all of us since Adam and Eve. They are experts at observation of, of humankind. They know exactly uh, what your Uncle Joe did for a living. They know that how he used to tug on your hair in that special way. They know how your Aunt Emma used to hum while she was baking pies. They know all this stuff. This is a cakewalk for Satan. The Drew Mariani Show on Relevant Radio. Yeah, that was Sue Brinkman. She's going to be joining me in just a moment here. And I've been reading her blog recently. I want to talk about uh, Prince Harry and and, and Meghan. I, I want to talk about uh, the, the New Age movement. I, I want to take a look at certain type of healings. There's a lot to get into here. And you are welcome to join me, too. You know, Feel free to, to dial in any time and, and talk to Sue and talk to me. The number is 888-914-9149. Uh, there was a Pew Research study that was done a little while ago, and it showed that 62% of all Americans hold belief in reincarnation. They hold the belief in astrology, which I just think is so wacky, right? Uh, they hold belief in psychics and or the presence of a spiritual energy in, in, in physical objects like mountains or trees, right? They worship those things. Uh, these new age beliefs... They're present even in those who self-identify as Christians. And that should be really troubling. And maybe you've got a loved one that's into crystals or into tarot cards or in the mediums or any of this type of stuff. It saddens me to know that Catholics buy into some of this. There was a study that found us that 70% of Catholics, 70%, 7-0, subscribe to one or more of those beliefs. You know, you know what that says to me as I sit back? I was thinking about this as I was getting ready for my broadcast today. I thought, how's that possible? How's it possible that 70% of Catholics buy into that stuff? It's, it's, it's wacky. Really? I mean, if you know your faith, you're certainly not going to buy into that. And you're also going to be very sensitive and aware of the reality of the, the demonic, of the dark side, of the great deception, the great diabolic disorientation that's going on. It's 70% of Catholics. And then I, then, then I took a breath and I thought, you know what? If 73% of Catholics don't believe in the true presence, why does that surprise you, Drew? Huh? Why does that surprise you? And, and again, let me tell you what these are. 70% of Catholics believe in reincarnation. You die, you come back as, you know, a dog, a goat, you know, a cow, another person. Who knows, right? Astrology. Psychics. You know, uh, spiritual energy and physical objects. You, you wonder why we're having trouble in, in the church today. I mean, women, believe it or not, are more likely to hold those beliefs. Seventy uh, percent of them, compared to fifty-five percent of men, uh, and and adults under age sixty-five. But those those who have not graduated from college are radical and ethnic minorities. And believe it or not, Democrats and those who lean towards the Democratic Party are more than likely than others to hold at least one of those New Age beliefs. And I'm not being partisan. I'm just giving you the facts, right? I, I know you know Sue Brinkman. She's been a, a friend of this program for a long time. She's a, uh, she, she's a, a very gifted uh, writer. She's a woman who uh, came out of book, and I want to get you plugged into it, but she's an award-winning journalist, uh, uh, a member of the uh, third, third order, a uh, member of the third order of discussed, uh, 
uh, Carmelites, and she's also the director of communications and uh, new age research uh, for Women of Grace. And she's going to be stopping by here. I, I want to get you up to speed on her book as well, and I hope you'll you'll check it out. But she wrote a couple different blogs. One struck me. I don't know how if you follow the the royals at all. Prince Henry had a confession recently uh, about the use of EMDR therapy. I know you might have heard about that, but you not know what it is. And because he commented about it, it spawned a rush of interest in this therapy, as well as a lot of questions about its roots and whether or not it's suitable for, for Christians. And uh, I think he was doing an appearance with Oprah Winfrey, um, and they were doing something on, on, on mental health. And he said that he uses that therapy. You know, and, and it stands for eye movement, desensitization, and reprocessing, EMDR. It helps him deal with certain traumatic memories. Now, there will probably be several people saying, hey, Drew, it does work, you know. Uh, the question I have, is it new age, and can Catholics use it? Sue Brinkman joins me today. We'll dive into this and a whole lot of other stuff. Feel free to join us as well. Sue, good afternoon. Nice to be with you again, Drew. Always great. Hey, thank you for your work. I, I, when I saw this story and I heard about Meghan Markle and I, I saw so many other things you're writing, I thought, you know, we definitely need to talk about this. There's just debate over the Eucharist and revitalizing it. Catholics don't believe in true presence, unfortunately. A majority of them don't. So, you know, why does it surprise me so many people will buy into so much hocus pocus? Um, fill, fill me in in uh, EMDR because I, I could have sworn I had somebody call my show before and said, hey, this, this is the real deal and it does work. Um, so what is it? Um, is it new age? Can Christians use it? Uh, my understanding, it is okay. It is okay. You're right. You're right. And the person who called in is correct. It is okay. Um, I'm sure that there's people out there putting a new age spin on it, but, but uh, eye movement desensitization reprocessing, which is EMDR, um, that is actually a, a, a almost well-proven therapy uh, for people who have had uh, trauma, and have bad memories in that. And, and what it is, it's, it's a, a form of psychotherapy uh, used to treat anxiety disorders. And it was discovered in, in 1987 by a psychology graduate student named Francine Shapiro. She noticed that when she would have upsetting thoughts, if she moved her eyes back and forth rapidly, mm-hmm. side to side, which is known as bilateral stimulation, that those thoughts didn't bother her as much. Now, you could use things such as uh, tapping your foot, tapping your finger, which is something that Prince Harry said he does also along with it, in addition to moving his eyes back and forth. Um, they actually have done quite a few studies on this, and they have found that, yes, it does work. The, the main controversy about it is, is how it works. They're not quite sure how it works. Only that this bilateral stimulation somehow uh, gives the brain new information about that trauma that distracts it from the memory of the trauma. For instance, um, let's say getting into a blue car after having a, a bad accident in a blue car. Mm-hmm. The brain stores it in the same place as the original trauma. So anytime you would get into a blue car, you would remember your accident. And these triggers can result in making things as normal as a blue car feel very dangerous to you. So what in a, in a session, the MDR clinician will bring up this EMDR, use this bilateral um, stimulation of the eyes back and forth while having you remember that, and that kind of triggers the brain to see something else besides the trauma, and it sort of distracts it from that. Well, that's the way I understand it to, to work. Um, and it, tells, it, it enables you to begin to tell the brain that this is not happening anymore. This blue car is not the accident that I was in. I'm in different circumstances now. It's not happening to me anymore. And it works. It actually does work. So 
the bad thing, though, about this whole show that he was on, this is a docu-series that he was on, um, is that Meghan Markle is teaching him other stuff that isn't good. So when, he, when you couple that with the EMDR, people are going to think, well, he's doing the EMDR, and that's okay. Well, how about this ancestral healing, which is based in animism? And this is where um, you, you go to your ancestors, you try to connect with your dead ancestors to, to repair and nurture relationships with them. Uh, with your ancestors, and um, the underlying premise to that is that that humans carry burdens from their ancestors within their own families and bodies, so that they have to undergo this lineage repair process. That I don't know how people dream this stuff up, Drew. I don't know. They must lay awake at night thinking about this stuff. That you can relieve these burdens um, by contacting these relatives, and the only prerequisite to it is that you have to have some experience in guided trance, dream work, and the use of spirit guides. So the minute you see that, you know, okay, here we go. Now we're off the rails. But EMDR is okay, but some of the other stuff that is being promoted by um, Prince Harry and Meghan Markle is not okay. You mentioned, you know, you talk about EMDR, and then you also talk about EFT. What is that? Emotional freedom technique. That's tapping. And that is, it's it's almost a kind of EMDR. It's, It's also a psychotherapy, used in psychotherapy, but... Uh, emotional freedom technique is is where they tap on meridian points, and that tapping of the meridian points is supposedly uh, helps to distract you from trauma, me- bad memories, uh, helps to work with anxiety disorders. The really problem with that, and there's been tons of testing done in EFT. Uh, there's no tests that tell you that the tapping has anything to do with the success of it. Um, oh. It's the other things that are used with it like uh, cognitive behavioral therapy, CBT, which we all know works, uh, and other aspects of EFT that could work, um, that they believe that is what's making these studies come out to be successful and has nothing to do with tapping, which, of course, the tapping cannot work because meridians are based on a belief in energy that doesn't exist. So it can't work. Let's do this. Let's grab a call or two. If you want to join us, the number's 888 Larry is listening in Chicago. He's got a story to share with you, Sue. So, good afternoon, Larry. Oh, good afternoon, Sue and Drew. Uh, 18 years ago this fall, I uh, buried my mom and dad seven weeks apart. May they rest in peace. And I was traumatized, to say the least. So I looked into grief therapy, and I found a therapist who did EMDR. And I did it for a couple of years. I think it was 70 bucks per session. And uh, it was like being hypnotized wide awake with a colored tip stick. I think I had lime green. And uh, it was fascinating. And I do know that he would only do it every two weeks because that's all I could take. It took two weeks to recover. And I asked someone in the office, I said, how long does it take you, you know, another patient? He said, oh, at least two weeks. All right. Wow. Well, hey, thanks for sharing that. I'm sorry wow. for your loss, Larry. Yes. Yeah, it took two weeks to re- to recover. So I'm um, I'm I'm hoping, Larry, that you you did get some good out of it. Did, do you think it worked? Yeah, yeah, it it really did because I was waking up every morning thinking, uh, oh, I got to face the world another day. And one morning I woke up and I changed it to, the world has to face me another day. I don't have to face it. <laughs> well, that's go. good news. I'm glad that that worked for you then. Yeah, Larry, thank you thank for you. sharing that. Yeah. Well, would you recommend this? You know, I I, I know there's a, we're going to be dealing with a lot of new age stuff. There's stuff that does cross a line. You say this is good. Um, would you recommend this therapy to people? I mean, how much do you know about it? 
I, I would. I would recommend it. I, I don't have a problem with the MDR, and I've never had a problem with the MDR. This is I, I've been kind of looking into it for like the past seven or eight years now, and watching the research as it as it progresses. They are studying this very seriously, and these are well put together studies. Uh, they're methodologically sound studies. In other words, they're not being put together by people who are promoting EMDR. Right. Uh, it's, it's objective science, and, and that's what I always look for when I'm, when I'm researching things. So I, I don't have a problem with EMDR. Right. Uh, now, right. it could, you know, somebody can introduce something strange to you in there while you're doing an EMDS, EMDR uh, session, but the EMDR itself is safe. All right, we'll go to Marie in Wisconsin next. Marie, good afternoon. You are on the air. Hi. My name is Marie, and I asked five clergymen about this. Okay, I do Hatha Yoga, H-A-T-H-A Yoga. They told me it's okay as long as you use it as a physical exercise. I Hatha don't yoga. use it as a religion. Mm-hmm. Hatha Yoga, H-A-T-H-A Yoga. Okay. Yeah, most, most of I, the yogas today, yeah, are, are, are Hatha. Go ahead, I'm sorry. And I asked five clergymen, they said, you're fine unless, uh, don't use it as a religion or don't use it like, you know, you go in and find your inner being and everything. But this is a form of exercise that has um, very good for my anxiety and very good for my um, cardiologist, cardiology problems. And um, I, I was wondering what your take is on happy yoga. Right. Yeah, good, good question. Yeah, happy yoga, that's a branch of yoga that... that um, most yoga out there is hatha yoga. It involves breath, body, mind, meditation, um, and the yoga poses. And um, I am not a yoga fan, I'll be honest with you. There's people uh-huh. out there, and I think there's a good argument on both sides of that, of this particular uh-huh. uh, issue. I think both both sides have good, solid arguments, and they have, and they have good people behind them. Uh, very prestigious uh-huh. people, bishops and priests who, who but there, you know, there's a lot of bishops and priests who are not for yoga. And in my opinion, it's uh-huh. why risk it? Um, that's just the way I look at it. I like to play it safe in my life, you know. <laughs> why risk it if you don't have to? It's an isometric exercise. You get the same cardiological advantage from doing any kind of isometric exercise. It does not have to be yoga. It just happens to be that yoga is the most prevalent out there. It's the easiest to, mm-hmm. to link up to. You could be doing Pilates. You could be doing a lot of different things. It doesn't have to be yoga. Um, uh-huh. So, I mean, that, that's one thing that I, that I would tell you about it. The other thing that worries me is if you're in a class. And, and even though the, the yoga poses, as we know, and this comes from the yogis themselves, many of them were designed as positions of worship to Hindu gods. Now, even though uh-huh. you don't intend to worship a Hindu god, you're just in there for, for exercise. What if the guy next to you is summoning a Hindu god? And you're not in a uh-huh. state of, of grace. You're open game uh-huh. to that spirit because the devil doesn't play fair. He could care less what your intentions uh-huh. are. And if you're not in a state of grace, you could become uh, oppressed by that spirit. He could enter that room very easily. They come when they're called. They come when they're called. And, and uh, that's the other reason. I would, I would never go into a yoga class, ever, because you don't know what the people next to you are doing in that class. You don't know if they're calling on those gods. And we all know that gods don't exist, and the fathers of our uh-huh. church teach us that demons hide behind those names. Uh-huh. Uh, and they answer when you call upon them. So I don't know. Mm-hmm. Do you want to take the risk? That's, that's the way I look at it. Well, I... That's I get it on YouTube. I get it on YouTube, and I do it on my own. I don't go to class or anything. I, yeah, but I lower the volume. Yeah, well, I wouldn't yeah, recite that. any. I, I certainly wouldn't recite any mantra. You know, those they say Namaste. No, no, or no, no, not at all. They do all those. I would, uh, you know, if you're going to do it, I, I no, you know, use no, the word no, Jesus. The om, the om, and, no, I think the Om is crazy. I mean, but I just like the uh, the basic poses because most of the basic poses. You find after warm uh, warm up and cool downs after right. 
You know, yeah, and you could you could do things like SoulCor, SoulCor, or Pietra Fitness that would actually right. uh, incorporate the rosary and prayer in it, um, and that's the same kind of a core workout that you would get from the yoga. So there are other options out there. Yeah, and if you have any kind of misgivings, you know, just you know, act on that. Susan, I heard the same thing. I actually some co- some of my colleagues on the air said, "Hey, you know, uh, yoga is okay if you just use it for exercise." But I, I also understand what you're saying here, where there is a fine line when you begin to look at some of the body postures. Are they forms of worship to these Hindu deities? You know, the the mantras that you sometimes recite. Is somebody calling upon uh, this this uh, false spirit? I mean, th- those are the things you have to be careful about, but you have no problem with Pilates, and maybe you can give a plug for the other alternatives that are out there. There are options that people can can use. Why don't you share them again? Yeah, Soulcore is one, S-O-U-L-C-O-R-E, and although some of those poses look like yoga, the body can only move in so many different directions. So every every move that looks like a downward dog isn't necessarily a downward dog, you know. So in Soulcore, um, that is completely yoga-free. The people who put it together have nothing to do with yoga. Uh, Pietra Fitness is another option that's out there. Uh, my personal preference is for Soulcore. I have those uh, workouts. They are very difficult. I will tell you that. They're not easy. Um, great core workouts. And you can say the rosary while you're doing it. So and a lot of meditation, beautiful Catholic meditation that goes along with each decade of the rosary. It's just a really an all-around great experience to do something like soul core. Um, nothing like a yoga. Nothing like my, yoga. Guest, my guest today is uh, Sue, uh, Sue Brinkman. If you want to join us, the number is 888 We're taking a look at um, really the new age and a whole lot of different things, everything from uh, you know therapies that, that are legitimate, and some people worry might cross the line, to yoga, to blanking prayer, to astral projection. There's a lot going on. Feel free to join us anytime. 888-914-9149. Um, let's, you know, well, I will take another call or two. And again, Sue is not a physician, so I see some calls on the screen. I don't know whether these are germane to what we're talking about. They, they want some of your advice on, I think, ADHD, which is pretty common. Maria, I'll bring you on, though. Go right ahead. Maria in California, Thank go ahead. Yeah. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you so much, Drew. I sure enjoy your your show. Yes, you know, uh, even though she's not a therapist, but I wanted to know if she knew what would be the best therapy for a, for a youngster who is uh, 16 and has ADHD, inattentive, and hyper. Yeah, I, I mean, I'm not, I'm not a doctor. I really can't give that kind of medical advice, but I can refer you to catholictherapist.com, and they are very well screened. Allison Ricciardi is the head of that. Yeah. Uh, she's a good friend of our ministry at Women of Grace, and uh, you just plug in there what, what your location is, and they will refer you to Catholic therapists in your area. And I would direct that question to them because I think they would be better able to handle it than I would. Yeah, she was on the air with us yesterday. So again, CatholicTherapist.com, a, a good group. Uh, mm-hmm. I, I want to talk to you about mind-blanking prayer. I mean, a lot of kids, you know, we see what's happening in the schools today, right? A lot of uh, children are attending... Catholic, you know, well, public and Catholic schools, we, we see a lot of this different stuff that our kids are being taught, critical race theory and whole litany of other things, you know, gender. But I get concerned when we see stuff like mind-blanking prayer mm-hmm. making its way into Catholic, you know, primary schools. And I know you wrote about a case in Australia. Uh, do this for me. Just explain what mind-blanking prayer is. And then when we come back, because I have to take a short pause, we can talk about it. Yeah, mind-blanking prayer is just you're using a mantra or a word, 
and you recite that word to to drive out of your mind all thoughts and inspirations. Um, and you, what you're trying to do is is achieve a mental void, uh, and that mental void is supposed to facilitate uh, an altered state of consciousness, which right. is used to then gain enlightenment by All Hindu right. and Buddhist uh, practitioners. That's exactly what mind-blanking prayer is. And it, mm-hmm. yes, it's infesting our schools. Yeah, so let's talk about that. This might be new to you. You may never have heard about mind-blanking prayer. Catholic Order of Foresters is proud to sponsor the relevant radio studio line. For information about employment opportunities and flexible premium life insurance plans, visit relevantradio.com. Slash Forrester. The Drew Mariani Show on Relevant Radio. Well, thanks for joining me today. I am speaking with uh, Sue Brinkman, and we're taking a look at a widespread spectrum of issues from sage burning to mind-blanking prayer to... uh, well, astral projection, it seems like this new age stuff is becoming more and more common. More people are beginning to accept it. And, of course, we'll take your calls if you want to get in. The number is 888 Before I get into the mind-blanking prayer, which you need to know about, or even sage burning, which is really becoming popular, let's jump back to the phones. I know Alejandra has been waiting for a little while in Los Angeles and has a question for you. Good afternoon, Alejandra. Hello, hello, family in Christ. Um, I was wondering because I have family members that um, they lost their their um, uh, my sister in law, my mother in law, my father in law, and now my son. <clears throat> and um, <clears throat> and my question was, I don't do it, but I know my family in laws they do it. They they always go to the cemetery and they always ask them for help most of the time. And I had told them that it's it's okay, but um, it's better we just go straight to God or to a Virgin Mary. And they, it seems that they feel more comfortable just going straight to the family member that are deceased. Is that okay? Yeah, that's a good question. That's a very good question. Thank you for that. Yeah, that what they're doing there is, is known as invoking. They are asking those those relatives to intercede for them to God. Okay, they're asking them to do to do that as long as they understand that they're not asking that relative to do something for them, but but to uh, do something according to God's will, and if God should should uh, facilitate it through them. That's called invoking. Evoking is what mediums do who contact the dead, and that's where they're demanding that they appear and they do something like speak to them, move objects or something like that. That's called evoking. So invoking is what we are allowed to do, and that means we're asking for their intercession. If they should want to go to the cemetery, if that makes them feel closer to that loved one, um, you know, that's fine. Uh, to go and pray at their gravesite and ask them for their intercession. There's really nothing wrong with that. Yeah. Uh, just knowing that, that the power uh, uh, to do anything is going to come from God. It's not going to come from that ancestor. Uh, it's, it's merely, the ancestor is merely like a go-between uh, that they're, they're using to, to get help from God. Yeah, we're all part of the communion of saints. So here's how I, I read it, because, you know, I turn to the blesseds all the time. I turn to the venerables. Mm-hmm. I turn to those who've gone before us. We we ask the saints for their intercession. There There is a difference between, um, as you point out, evoking, invoking divination. I mean, the church is pretty clear when it comes to trying to conjure spirits or, or mm-hmm. conjure, you know, consulting the dead through mediumship or, you know, through... Um, 
whatever other you know you know clairvoyance or any other recourse to mediums whatever it might be you know what i'm saying um seances is the word i'm looking for uh that's wrong you know any wish to conciliate hidden powers um that goes against our duty to honor respect and and love god who uh we owe that to, to god alone so the church comes out in the catechism very clearly about divination, but calling upon those who've gone before us, asking their intercession before the throne of God. St. Faustina promised when she died that she would pull back the veil of heaven, she said. She would continue her mission there before the throne of God, and she would intercede for us so that we would no longer wound the most merciful heart of our Lord by our distrust. St. Therese of Lisieux said the same thing. So many saints, we see this happen. So um, there is a difference there, and I, you know, again, I don't have a problem with somebody going to the cemetery and saying, "Hey, can you intercede for me on on that issue?" I think it's an important one. So, thank you for your call. Uh, time ticks by, and I, I do want to get back to mind blanking prayers. I want to make people aware of things that are happening that is not reported in the mainstream media. And I'm grateful for your blog, because I know that you are covering this issue. But let's get back to mind blowing prayer. You said it is infesting schools right now, in particular, in particular. Catholic schools, um, you know, there's this thing called centering prayer. There are mantras that people repeat. Uh, why are kids doing mind blanking prayer? Explain how it works and what the dangers of it are. Okay, mind blanking, as as I said, that that's where you you use a mantra or a word to uh, drive away all your thoughts. Um, uh, that's Hindu, Buddhist. That's that's their forms of prayer. And the way that it's getting into our schools right now is through mindfulness mindfulness meditation, which is Buddhist. Um, and they use different forms of Buddhist meditation in order to blank the mind, such as uh, focusing on your breath, focusing on the different parts of your body. Um, the problem with this is that, that mind blanking, that's designed to bring about a translate or, hip, or hypnotic state, also known as an altered state of consciousness. And in that state, you know, rational judgment, discernment is, dis- is suspended. Mm-hmm. The mind is highly suggestible, open to any influences that might be present. Do you really want your kids <laughs> sitting in school? And they're not doing this for two to three minutes to settle down after, after or before a class. They're actually sitting there for 15 to 20 minutes wow. uh, in mind-blanking prayer. This is not healthy for them. It's not good. Uh, as a matter of fact, the American Center for Law and Justice, which is headed up by Jay Sekulow, they have actually started to send letters uh, to different public schools warning them they have these programs in like, like uh, Goldie Hawn's Mind Up program and that sort of thing, right. warning them that they are possibly violating the Establishment Clause by having something, a Buddhist-based prayer in their schools. And, of course, they come oh. back and they say, but, oh, no, we're, we're not doing the prayer part. We're, we've made it secular. And they're saying, no, it's not possible for it to be secularized. It's the uh, mindfulness is is the seventh step in the Noble Eightfold Path. It comes directly from Buddhism, and these lawyers just laugh at them and say, "Hey, come on, come up with something better," because this isn't this is 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 definitely the advancement of of a religion in those schools, and you just can't do that. Now, after they started to um, write these letters, what happened is a lot of these organizations that sell those programs through, they actually went, and this was told to me by one of the ACLJ. Uh, my assistant counsel is Christina Stierhoff. They they actually went in there and scrubbed their websites mm-hmm. to take the Buddhist language off of the of the website, and they right. they substituted scientific language in there instead. So this is 
And mindfulness has had this problem all the way across the board, right from the beginning. John Kabat-Zinn, who's the pioneer of it, he was very much into Buddhism. He was a practicing Buddhist at the time. And he said he bent over backwards. That's, those were her, his words. I bent over backwards to hide the Buddhist uh, um, origins of mindfulness because he didn't want to be called a New Age kook. Wow. And this eventually came out and everybody figured it out that it was, that it was Buddhist. But I'll tell you, it's, it's subterfuge. And the fact that it's being put into schools, uh, our children are being exposed to mind-blanking prayer, which, as I said, suspends rational judgment, discernment, and it leaves you open to suggestion. Any teacher there could be suggesting, and look at all the stuff that they have in school, the CRT, all these other things. Imagine what they can be suggesting to your child while they're sitting in there supposedly, oh, yeah, just becoming, you know, quieted down and, and, and you know, wow. just, just quiet before our class begins. No, it's a lot more than that, and, and it needs to be stopped. And parents need to stand up and, and do something about it. And, and I'm glad some parents are, and I'm glad you're writing mm-hmm. about it. I mean, the, cate- the catechism of the Catholic Church is really clear, and, you know, it, it forbids, it doesn't for, forbids a strong word, um, it, it explicitly lists efforts of concentration to reach a mental void as an erroneous notion of prayer. Yep. That's what Catechism 2726 says. And you, you can check that out. So using mantras, which are common forms of, you know, common to Eastern forms of meditation that strive to blank the mind. If this is happening in your school, uh, be aware of it. And uh, we're seeing more and more of this, aren't we? I'm surprised, it, it, you know, why we're not seeing in Catholic schools more Eucharistic adoration, right? Why, why aren't we seeing more traditional prayer like the Rosary? Why do we have to turn to Eastern mysticism, to Buddhism, to to those types of practices today? Or what are people missing or lacking that they see, they tend to think this will somehow fill? It's trendy. That's trendy. They, everybody wants to be hip. You know, Jesus is passe right now, Drew. Mm-hmm. You know, and our forms of prayer... Um, they're not interested in it. Theresian prayer, you can learn centering prayer. Now, centering prayer is, is really just uh, transcendental meditation in disguise. They just use a, a Christian word, like the name of Jesus or some other word. But what they're doing with, the, with that, they're using it as a mantra. And they're using it to blank the mind. So what's the difference between that and TM? Nothing. There is no difference. But they like to say, oh, no, no, it isn't. We're preparing ourselves for prayer. No, you're not. If you're sitting in a mental void for 20 minutes, using your mantra and blanking your mind, that is not prayer. Just as you quoted from the, from the catechism, that is an erroneous notion of prayer. Uh, Christian prayer is always a dialogue with God. It's a back and forth. The yeah. last thing you want to do is to be blanking your mind because he may be giving you inspirations and trying to lead you into higher stages of prayer, and what you're doing is rejecting him, and you're pushing him aside. So it's actually holding you back to be using well, these mantras. The thing I worry about is the enemy. You know, if he knows sure. you're in a susceptible state like that, who knows, you know, what he's going to uh, try to do. My guest today, Sue Brinkman, if you want to join us, it's 888-914-9149. If you're on hold, I will get you on the air. A lot of different questions here for you. But before I, I well, let's let's do this. Let's go to Rosa. Uh, I was going to talk about whether or not sage burning is compatible with Catholicism. But I think Rosa, actually, she's got a question about that. I think her priest told her to burn sage. Hey, Rosa, good afternoon. Uh, good afternoon, Drew. Thank you for taking my call. You're uh, yes, um, I had a uh, my parish priest uh, bless my house after a long time of trying to get him here. Uh, we've had several things happening in the house, though. So I I just really wanted the house to be blessed, and uh, 
You know, I asked him, I have um, a person living in my building who is a very lovely person and everything and says, believes in God, but she stages every Wednesday. I don't know what that means. Uh, but she stages and she says prayers and stuff like that while I'm, you know, on another floor, <laughs> blessing the house with holy water and praying and everything and praying with you every day. Thank you for that. But, okay, so the, pre- listen, the priest blessed the house from top to bottom. Several days later, I had somebody come and visit me who had kidnapped some people. I'm not kidding. This mm-hmm. is n- not funny, but, um, and I was not aware of it. Um, it happened to be a friend of mine and uh, had a couple youngsters yep. in his possession. So, um, I found out, I called the police, it was so bad, it was so bad, it was so bad in my house, I thought, you know, this person was going to kill me, so, so then, a couple days after that, when all was said and done, and the children went back with their mom, something was standing next to me i was kind of falling asleep well, it was Rosa, let, me, let me do this just for the, the sake of time um you brought up two really important things i, I do want to get to one say a smudging and, and the burning of sage but also for your home um if i was you i'd, I'd get a priest back in there again uh get that house blessed i would also uh get sacramentals like bless salt and bless water and use them frequently if there is an infestation in the building or if there is something in the house you need to be aware of um you know pray for that and and certainly, you know, I get the the authority of the of the priesthood in there to to bless that room. But let, I want to I want to get to your point here, and I want to go ahead and talk a little bit uh, about this. You heard her saying, "Hey, um, this person sages every Wednesday. Sage burning or or smudging is becoming more and more common, and people want to kind of cleanse their home on a spiritual level. And I know they they think that burning a weed in the house, you know, is going to do the trick. You know, uh, you know, sage burning." Uh, is very different than the way I think we as Catholics should handle this. But let me let you explain it, uh, Susan, if you could. And we could talk about how it's being used now and, again, why this is becoming incredibly accepted. Yeah, smudging is a very common Native American practice, and it's intended to spiritually cleanse a person, a home, an animal, or an object in order to bring them into harmony with the universe. It is a shamanistic belief that uh, it's based on this belief that every object in creation, even those that are inanimate, have a spirit. Now, smudging is performed with smoke uh, that's derived from the burning of, of herbs such as sage. You can also use lavender, pine, cedar. Um, and they believe that the smoke attaches itself to negative energy. And as the smoke clears, it takes the negative energy with it. So smudging, you know, would be you, you wave it around and you fan the swirls around a person or an object or a room. Um, New Agers believe that um, by smudging, um, when fanned through energy fields, that cleanses vibrations. It attracts positive energy. It attracts healing. It attracts protection. In other words, it's a superstition. This, this practice is very superstitious. Um, people uh, believe that the cleansing quality of smudging enables you to communicate directly with the spirit world. Um, 
Uh, people are encouraged to smudge when their spirits are low. If they've been around someone who is sick or depressed during meditation and prayer. So, um, you know, we don't need smudging to yep. cleanse ourselves. We have confession. That's what the Sacrament of Reconciliation yeah, is. That. And that is spiritual cleansing par excellence, right? Um, so we don't really need to do that. Uh, you should not get involved in smudging. As I said, it is a shamanistic practice. Um, it's really not. Uh, it, it's not the Christian worldview. It's not based in a Christian worldview, and you really shouldn't be really shouldn't be doing it at all. It doesn't do anything. Yeah, yeah, this is nothing but superstition. Do you know how true that is? I, I had a guest on the air years ago. I think he uh, wrote a book called uh, "Was It the Devil on Brownsville Road?" It was something on on Brownsville Road. His ha- the demon on Brownsville Road, and, and this guy's home was literally it was. It was a there was a there was a very dark spirit in there. They found out years later that this place was back in the 1920s and 30s. A doctor owned it. He would do uh, illegal abortions on the second floor, oh, and wow. bizarre things happened. The walls bled, and lights would turn on and off, and you know, just all just the the anger, the violence in the home was was pretty amazing. So, he, this guy was not Catholic at the time, so he called it like a shaman. You know, that looks pretty cool. The guy came in, had his sage, walked around the house, did his thing, blew the smoke. Nothing happened, right? Nothing <laughs> at all happened. Big uh, surprise. Sometimes, sometimes it, it it does abate for a couple of days or maybe even a week, but then it comes back with a fury. Uh, to keep that story short, because I could spend an hour telling you his story. Um, fast forward, he went through Protestant ministers. He went through a whole lot of things. He ended up having to get a Catholic priest into that home, and uh, you know they had the house you know exercised, and it was. It was pretty profound what ultimately happened there. It's also a massacre on the front yard of that home in the early days of the settlement. So there was some darkness that surrounded that particular place. But smudging did nothing. And and I go back to anyone who has disturbances in their homes. If it's not as intense as the demon on Brownsville Road, maybe there are you know there's anger or there's other divisive spirits or there's other things that are happening in that house. Um, you know, have your house blessed. That's the number one thing to do. Mm-hmm. I have I have holy water. I use it every day before I go on the air in my radio studio. Right, I, I bless salt is is another thing. Don't burn a weed and take it room to room. Sprinkle the holy water. Use the blessed salt. Tap into the power of the church. That's where you're going to find your true freedom. I'm going to take a short pause. When we come back, our lines are stacked here, Suzanne. We'll just jump into the calls. We'll take everyone's calls, try to answer their questions, okay? My guest, uh, Sue Brinkman, and uh, you can check her out. We'll put a link up for her site and all of her articles and her blog on our uh, on our Twitter account, at Drew Mariani Show. Stay with me. I'll be right back. So first off, yoga originates with Hinduism, and yoga actually means union. So it comes from the Sanskrit word root, and it means union. So as a Catholic, which Catholic means universal, from an outsider's perspective looking in, they may say, oh, yoga means union. Like, of course, that's good. And that actually leads to the first danger of yoga use for a spiritual practice. So yoga, actually, the first thing is it's monism. And what that is, is it is essentially this understanding that the universe and God are synonymous and all of us are dwelling in this overall oneness. This is the Drew Mariani Show on Relevant Radio and on the Relevant Radio app. Well, thanks for joining us. My guest today, Sue Brinkman, and we are taking a broad look at the New Age movement and the many ways that it is infiltrating from mind-blanking exercises for your kids in grade school to uh, royals like uh, Prince Harry uh, using EMDR. And that, by the way, is a legit therapy. I don't want to throw that in the same camp. But we've talked about everything from, uh, you know, astral, uh, you know, healing to, uh, to 
to Conjuring the Dead. And if you want to get in, we're glad to talk. It's 888-914-9149. We just talked a little bit about uh, sage uh, smudging. Smudging's been pretty big. Uh, let me get to the phones because, you know, time is the enemy. i got about 10 minutes left here. I'm going to try to get as many calls as I can on for you, Susan. So let's start. Uh, where was I going to go? Let's go to this Course in Miracles. Jerry is listening in Jacksonville, Florida. That- sure. No, go right ahead, Jerry. Okay, a friend of mine recommended a book called A Course in Miracles. He is Catholic, but I think I've heard something about it before. And uh, I told him I wanted to check it out before I accept a book from him on it. And I can't think of a better place to call than uh, the Drew Mariani Show. Jerry, you're a wise and prudent man, and we have the perfect person. Just this, this, this course in miracles, uh, Susan. Let's talk about the huge amongst celebrities. A lot of people have bought into it. To me, it's wacky, but I'll, I'll let you respond. Oh my heavens, this is really bad, really bad. This is a definite no. You don't want to read that book. It's known as the New Age Bible, by the way. That's one of its it nicknames. Um, this is how that came about. Helen Shookman. Uh, she is it was a very prominent uh, clinical psychologist. She was actually a, a professor who taught Father Benedict Rochelle, who was a, a uh, psychologist, as you know. Um, she claims that she channeled Jesus Christ and that he dictated the course to her over a period of seven years. Now, granted, she was an atheist when this was going on. She didn't believe in Jesus. And she claims that Jesus began speaking to her very unexpectedly one day and said something like, this is the Course in Miracles, please take notes. And, and it, it came in the form of an intellectual locution. So essentially the Course teaches that we all live in heaven with God and that our lives on earth are just a bad dream. Um, wow. Maura Noonan writes about it in her book, Ransom from Darkness. Yeah. You don't have to die in order to go to heaven, you just have to wake up, is what Maura said, that's how it is. And each of us is exactly and entirely the way God created us to be. We're sinless. We're wholly innocent. Uh, there is no sin in there. There's all kinds of distortions about Jesus Christ, the Holy Spirit. The entire doctrine of salvation is very distorted. It's a brainwashing program. It starts it was 365 days of the year. Oprah Winfrey has uh, uh, sponsored this on her show, on her radio show with Marianne Williamson, who is a big advocate oh of, of Course in Miracles, big proponent of it. And every day you have to do these little exercises where – Say in the first lesson, you're taught that to say over and over again for a few minutes in the morning and at night, nothing I see in this room right now means anything, or, or this hand doesn't mean anything, or this table doesn't mean anything. You have to say it over and over and over again. By lesson 96, you're being taught that salvation comes from my one self. By lesson 303, you're chanting, the Holy Christ is born in me today. It goes way off the, ro- the, the rules. And Shookman uh, Father Benedict Rochelle writes about this in, in his book, A Still Small Voice. She had one of the most horrible deaths because she was in the deepest depression he had ever seen anyone at the end of her life. She was in utter darkness. Um, he said it was almost frightening to be with her. He said, I clearly observed that the denial of the reality of suffering could have catastrophic consequences. And that's what the Course does. It just totally says there's nothing. Suffering is, is not to be... It's wrong, which is very Buddhist, by the way. Um, so uh, stay away from that book. Don't have anything to do with that book. Nobody channels Jesus Christ. It doesn't happen. Uh, whatever is in there is is completely heretical. And and you might want to ask your friend to uh, look into this a little bit more. 
and read Catholic uh, critiques of A Course in Miracles to get a better idea of what it is he's recommending to you. Because obviously he, yeah. he doesn't have his, he's not well catechized if he's believing the things in the book or Christian. All right, sounds great. Does that help? Okay, I hope. Great. Yeah, Jerry, oh, thank very you. Very much so, very much so. Thank you so much. Yeah. You got it. I, I'm so glad he called. You got the Course in Miracles. The secret is a huge thing, and a lot of people think you can, you know, think about being wealthy or finding the perfect lover or whatever it is, and and you can will that to yourself. I mean, there was, a, I think it was a Netflix documentary or something was on. I was surfing by that six months ago or a year ago, whenever it was. And I remember seeing it. I started to watch it to see what they were doing, but it was so ridiculous. I, I couldn't even watch it. I'm thinking, how could people buy into this? But I don't think people intellectually challenge some of this stuff. You know, I don't follow, follow it to its logical conclusion. We don't have much time. So let me get this 18 year old, uh, 18 year old on Tyson is listening. He likes his horoscope. I want to hear what he's got to say. Tyson. Good afternoon. Hello. Hi Tyson. I was wondering what's wrong with like horoscopes. Just be reading it for fun. Yeah. What's wrong with question. horoscopes? Yeah. If you just read it for fun, some people say, ah, I don't really believe in it, but I'm you just going to, See what you, I you should, don't read them at all. Don't read them at all. You don't need them even to to do it for fun. No, don't read doing horoscopes is based on a Babylonian occult art. Um, it is so ridiculous. It is so unscientific. There's nothing about it that's that's real. There's no reason to even read it, even for fun. It's nothing but made up garbage uh, that applies to everybody. In fact, there was a, a French a French scientist who who sent out to 150 people uh, the horoscope for a serial killer, and he sent it to 150 people, and he said, you know, how many of them related to that horoscope? And something like 90% of them said they related to it. And they only found out later that it was this notorious serial killer. Just, you know, find something better that's yeah. fun uh, than reading your horoscope. Because you know what? You might not think so, but it does influence you. And you begin to think, well, you know, maybe my horoscope said something funny, fun's going to happen to me today. You do kind of buy into it in a little way. So You've got to admit you do, even yeah. a tiny little bit. Um, and it does influence you, and it's it's just not something that you should be involved in. I would stay away from it completely. Yeah, people try to read into these things. I mean, horoscopes are one of those. And to your point, I think you're so right. A horoscope violates both reason and faith. They violate reason because there's literally nothing reasonable about them, and they have no grounding in reality. They, they, they've shown over and over again to have no validity. And if somebody allows a horoscope to have any influence on their decision, and there are a lot of people that do, that's an affront to the human capacity to think, and that's the problem that we're facing today. You know, they, 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 they um, I often wonder what happens to trust. People want to look at the stars and, and let that determine their faith. They have to have faith in God. But here's the thing. You know, when somebody goes to a medium, a fortune teller, they read the horoscope, you're right. You sometimes uh, project uh, that on you. You read into it. Oh, yeah, that's right. That that, that person did say this, or, oh, th that is me, or, oh, yeah, so-and-so is a birthday. I mean, you begin to read into it, and I think it's a little slippery slope, but I think it's also a waste of time. But Tyson, thank you for listening. Thanks for calling in. Uh, Sarah is listening in uh, Lodi, California. They've got a baby in the NICU. I'll see what they've got to say here. Hi, it's Sarah. Good afternoon. Hi, Drew. Hi. Yeah, um, this is so weird that this happened yesterday, but uh, my, my little three-week-old, almost four-week-old, is in the NICU, very sick. And there's another family whose little baby is also three weeks old and in the NICU, and we've kind of bonded a little bit because of our situation. But they're Hindu, and yesterday they mentioned a mantra that they've been saying for their baby that, um, like, brings the dead back to life, and they're including my little Maggie in it because they think they're being lovely. But 
I mean, I just don't want her to be involved in that. So they've like, they, they wanted me to do it as well. Like look it up on YouTube because, you know, I can't pronounce it properly. And so they wanted me to kind of get involved, which obviously I'm not, but I mean, it's, I don't want that stuff around my baby. Yeah, yeah. Well, <laughs> so first I'm of all, little, I, like I'm yeah. just a little torn because they're trying to be so nice, well, but um, I also don't want anything negative, kind of around her in her very delicate state. Absolutely, and I pray for for little Maggie that she's going to be fine. And you said you just ask God to protect your little one, and I'm sure He's doing that. As long as you're in a state of grace, God will protect you and yours, and especially an innocent, vulnerable little baby like Maggie. Um, just just make sure you pray to God and ask for that protection. And as far as the Hindus are, just thank them so much and just say, well, you know what, I have my own religious beliefs, and and these are the prayers yeah. that I'm saying, and I would like to include your your baby in my prayers. Um, do I something like that. I Saint Peregrine, yeah, Saint Peregrine for their baby, absolutely. And I told them that because I pray for their baby all the time as well. Perfect. And so I, yes, a- absolutely, absolutely. I called in last week to to the show for the chaplet, and everybody prayed for my little Maggie. Aww. So I just really appreciate it. Well, Maggie, Aww. look, we'll, so, we'll continue to pray for you. There's a lot of people listening right now, and I want to ask them all to say a quick prayer: a Hail Mary, and Our Father, a prayer from the heart. And we'll pray for you. As a mother, I can't imagine the torment you're enduring, but I know that that little baby in the NICU, prayer changes things. And we'll, we'll blanket we'll blanket that beautiful baby in, in prayer and ask for God's mercy. So you Thank hang you. in there, okay? Be at peace. I'm glad you got Thank through Thank you today. so much. You got it. My heart breaks for mothers like that. I, I just, oh, it just kills me. I will pray for you. I promise you. I really will, Sarah. I know um, my godson was in was in a NICU, and I'll tell you what, the big strapping twenty year old now. <laughs> you would <laughs> never great. know it. I mean, he was really risky. He was, you know, not about to make it. His baptism when he was baptized, it, it turned him around, I and love he finally like a pound and a half. I mean, he was not supposed to make it. And that little boy, yeah. I tell you what, he's he's bigger than me now. <laughs> I, I love. It. Hey, Susan, before we go, because I only have about twenty seconds for you. Best way to get your books? Uh, go to Amazon.com. You get them there. Just type in Sue Brinkman. You'll find them. They're well worth the read. They should be on your uh, in your spiritual library. I'm out of time for the day. I, I really want to thank Sue and thank you for allowing me to be part of your afternoon. I'll be back again. Pray for me. I'm praying for you. Until next time, may God bless you. Hope restored. Hearts healed. Lives changed. Here's another Relevant Radio miracle moment. I can tell you, as somebody that was um, not as well catechized, a cradle Catholic myself, um, I have really struggled with my faith. And again, I, I, I'm so grateful for Relevant Radio. I mean, the last year of my life has been one most difficult. Um, you know, my loss of my marriage and we're breaking, you know, just, mm. just, I mean, the pain is unbelievable. Mm. But the joy that I get from my spiritual life is the only thing keeping me going. And it's, and it's, I mean, it's, it's like the, man, I feel like the scales have fallen off my eyes. All of a sudden, I'm 50 years old, and I'm realizing that my faith has got way more depth than I ever understood. This Miracle Moment was brought to you by you. How has Relevant Radio impacted your life? Make a tax-deductible donation now on the Relevant Radio website or app. You know, the word is spreading around America. This is the go-to place if you've got a prayer and you want the whole country praying for it. So I invite people to join us every night for the Family Rosary Across America Live. 7 p.m. Central. Bringing Christ to the world through the media. Relevant Radio.